Have you ever learned how to get your sales team to hit the number that they need to without sacrificing your brand in the process? On today's episode, we bring on a manufacturer who has created a simple framework for working with their sales reps that fosters buy-in and results. They're one of the only manufacturers I've ever met who genuinely loves their reps. And what I think you'll find interesting is that they have a very simple formula that they use to create this mutually beneficial relationship that's helping them grow their business. All right, let's get into the podcast. Welcome to the Smarter Building Materials Marketing Podcast, helping you find better ways to grow leads, sales, and outperform your competition. And now, here are your hosts, Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. All right, everybody, welcome to Smarter Building Materials Marketing, where we believe your online presence should be your best salesperson. I am Zach Williams alongside Beth Popnikolov, and we are excited about today's show. Today, we're going to be talking about sales reps. We know that it's a point of struggle for a lot of manufacturers, whether they're internal or external. There's a myriad of ways to get buy-in, struggles that you have, or ways to build better relationships with them and grow market share using sales reps. So on the show today, we have the Vice President of Marketing and Product Development at Kesson, Jude Nosek. We're really excited to have them. They have a really unique relationship with their sales reps, and we are excited to bring Jude on the podcast. Welcome, Jude. Thank you very much, Beth. Thank you, Zach. I'm delighted to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to share our experience at Kesson and my experience personally with those reps and how we get our products to market. It's a little more complicated than we thought it was going to be at first. Um, they tend to be a necessary evil in what we do. And fortunately, we have a lot of really great reps. So that makes the relationship a lot easier. But we'll get into that in a little bit, I'm sure. Absolutely. So Jude, for our listeners, maybe you can tell everyone a little bit about Kesson and what you sell. And then we can dive into how your sales and distribution process works. Sure. At Kesson Industries, we are a manufacturer and a distributor of measuring and marking products, primarily to the North American marketplace, also primarily to the professionals and professional builders within that space. So that separates us a little bit from some of our competitors who sell at retail or big box stores, as well as through the independent channels and online. So there's a little bit of a difference between a professional market and the more consumer-based big box market. A lot of the things are important to both of them, you know, the quality, the service levels, the availability, good pricing, those transcend market. But there's some things about the professional market that are a little bit different uh, and make Kesson uniquely suited. Uh, And that's because our products are a little bit of a higher quality, a little bit of a higher price. So the expectations are a little higher from our end users and from our distributors. So we we enjoy that as well. And you work with internal or external sales reps? So in North America, we have five or six national sales managers. So those are internal employees that handle a geographic region for the most part. It's not always just geography, but it's usually geographical. So we have a very strong direct relationship with those Uh, obviously, internal employees. But then outside of that, we have a series of agents and agencies around the country. I think there's 16 or 18 different agencies that we work with uh, for a total of, I think, independent reps is in the upper 60s or so. And I imagine that can be challenging to oversee. Is that where you primarily play or, or what is your role specifically? 
My role specifically is vice president of marketing and product development, but I also handle the Western Canadian rep agencies. So from Kesson, that's about 10 individuals in three loosely aligned agencies. So it's my responsibility that to make sure that they've got the tools that they need to sell, not only literally the tools, but also the sales tools so that the product and the information coming out of Kesson makes sense. When you ask that, you know, how difficult and complex that can be, it's extraordinarily difficult, I think, for rep agencies to do what they do as well as at least our reps do it. So we're one of at least six, probably eight or 12 or 14, sometimes 20 manufacturers that use each rep agency. There are behind each agent, there are seven, eight, 10, 12 brands that are vying for that agent's time and attention. And also, counting on that agent to tell our story, to put us in front of our distributors, to find new distributors. It's a very daunting task for an individual, even within one manufacturer, to learn the product line. But imagine having to learn 12 product lines and and having to juggle the goals, the sales numbers, the personalities from 12 different companies, as well as managing and owning and running a business of your own. It is not simple. <laughs> it's not easy, not right? Easy. Yeah. No. It's complex and both yeah. difficult. Mm-hmm. As you're saying, for your external sales reps, they have 10, 15, 20 manufacturers that they're representing and having conversations about with leads at any given time. How are you working with those reps to stay top of mind? And maybe as a follow-up question, what would you recommend to manufacturers? Because for a lot of them, they're not going to be the biggest manufacturer in their portfolio. So that makes it, that's a doubly difficult situation for them to really get the attention and stay top of mind for those reps. So can you talk to us about how you're handling that? Sure. I think the primary thing to understand is that you're not always going to be top of mind. You You just You can't be. We have to. Uh, There's no, it would be unreasonable for me as a manufacturer hiring an agent to expect that I have their top of mind awareness 100% of the time. You know, if they have, let's say they have 10 other manufacturers, there are definitely manufacturers that are going to be selling more than we are. There's probably a few that are going to be selling less than we have. Hopefully there'll be complementary lines so that they can all work together and reinforce and scaffold each other. But I think recognizing and realizing that you're not going to be the only thing your reps think about is a good first step. It comes with a little bit of humility, I think, to understand in your agency's hierarchy where you fit and also being respectful of that. We have an agency in Northern California who builds a matrix, which I really liked. So they have a grid. That's basically across the bottom, it would be ease of doing business. So the left corner would be very easy to do business with. The right corner would be very difficult to do business with. And then on the other axis, on the Y axis, you have the dollars that they bring in. So low dollars to high dollars, right? And to know where you fit on those on that grid, there's nine quadrants in a grid like that. If you go ABC and one, two, three, in my opinion, 
the best move for any manufacturer is to absolutely make yourself as easy to do business with as you can. Reps, in our experience, don't like to do business with people that are difficult to do business with. And most people are like that. What does that mean, dude? Like if you say someone's difficult to do business with, what does that mean? Like I imagine you're a sales driven organization. Yeah. Your reps have to sell. Like I don't know how to say absolutely they they have to sell. How do you motivate them? How do you push them without moving past that line where you become difficult? I don't think we have to motivate these people. Motivation is not our primary goal as a manufacturer, right? I mean, these guys are salespeople. They are competitive by nature. They are motivated by success. And that comes in many different forms. It's not always monetary, but for the most part, very motivated group. So typically we don't have to flip the switch to figure out what's going to motivate these guys. We know what's going to motivate them. You know, they make money on selling our product for one thing. And people sell what they know for another component in the equation. So if we can make our products super easy to sell, super easy to understand, an agent will reduce their risk of failure. And that's what we're really trying to do is to reduce that as much as possible. And you can be your own worst enemy as a manufacturer. So you were kind of asking, what are some of the things we do for that? Consistency is key, in my opinion, to build a communication system that doesn't alter or it doesn't alter too much so that you can build a system where you've got a quarterly call or you've got a monthly newsletter or a bi-monthly email or a annual meeting. Hopefully you're doing some combination of all those things so that your reps learn what to expect from you. As an as a manufacturer, you want to make your you want to build a system of communication that's so easy for your agents that when they get something new from Kesson, they're already able to categorize what it is and where it fits in the system. Hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It, it makes total sense. You know, it makes me think of I got the opportunity last year, Jude, to be a part of one of your sales meetings. Mm-hmm. Brought in your entire team. You paid for everyone to come out and stay, be part of this big event you put together, which says a lot about your organization and how much you care about your reps. And the thing that I found really interesting, and I I know I shared this with you in prep for today's podcast, was I was amazed, and my saying is just because we're on the podcast, I was amazed at how much your reps liked you. Like, <laughs> and how it's not me, it's not just me. It's the, it's the organization of Kesson. I think you're saying, I mean, like, hopefully they like me too. Well, it's mostly just you, Jude. Let's, let's be honest. <laughs> no. No, but, I mean, all, all kidding aside, I mean, they really like the brand of Kesson and Kesson really likes their reps. And that's a very interesting relationship because that's frankly the way it should be. But oftentimes most manufacturers are at war with the reps for mind share, as you mentioned, increasing overall sales, things of that nature. And I was amazed to see that. And I pulled a, one of your reps aside. I said, hey, help me understand this. Like, just be real with me. Why in the world does everyone here love Kesson? Like, what, what is it that they're doing? And he told me, he told me, he said, there's three things we look at from a manufacturing standpoint. We look at the quality of the product. How good is that product? We look at the availability of that product. And we look at how easy it is to work with them and what's the customer service like? I'm sorry, did you say price, price, price? 
<laughs> I mean, I think that's probably what they think about. But he he said he said quality, he said availability, and he said customer service. Yeah, were the three. And he said a good manufacturer has two, and Kesson has all three. So those three attributes are three of the top five attributes that distributors look for in a manufacturer as well. Price would be the other one. Sure. Okay. And I know this from Grant Farnsworth, a mutual friend of ours who also does work for both of us. And he does research. We interviewed, and this was a phone call interview of over 420 distributors in the professional space and asked them what is the most important attribute for a product. And it is quality, then availability, and then probably price would be the third. And then when they were asked to name the most important, depending on the category, it was either availability and quality or price and quality that were coming up the most. The great thing about quality is you don't have to do too much to service it, right? It's a time equation. Right. If you can sell a quality product into a distribution site, the distributor likes it because it's quality. And as long as it's moving through their store, they have no problem putting it there time and time again. So their job is to supply their market space with the right things and at a good price. And if an agent can help bring them a suite of products, uh, hopefully Kesson is one of those, but it's we know we are not in isolation. I mean, there's no store out there that is just measuring and marking, which is the kinds of products that we sell. Our products, measuring and marking products, go alongside of safety products or cleaning products inside of somebody's main business, like roofing or tiling, right? You can buy a tape measure at a roofing store, a tile store, a drywall store, anywhere, really. So that an agent or a rep would go in and be able to offer them not only tape measures and pens and pencils, but also electrical cords and gloves and work boxes and and depending on which brands that they have. So I think we get a huge amount of value out of our agents, more than I think most manufacturers recognize. When an agent or an agency selects your brand, they are saying something about that by even bringing it into the suite of products that they offer, right? So they have basically vetted your company for everybody that they sell to. They equate Kesson, for instance, with their own brand. When they walk in there and they say, hey, I've got something new for you. Wait till you hear about this Kesson company or whomever it is. We gain trust because of their relationship that they already have with that buyer. They've probably been selling that buyer for 10, 15, 20 years. In some cases, 40 years. In some cases, it's legacy. So that guy's father or that woman's father, in most cases, also sold them product. So when they select us, we automatically have credibility because our rep gives that to us. That is a gift that we are Granted, we're paying for it with some percentage of our sales, but that distinction, the fact that they have chosen to put our brand alongside themselves, I think is a huge value for us as a company. And secondly, they are also equating us with all their other brands. That's critical. So 
So if you like X company from me as a rep, we think this Kesson brand is as good as this other brand. And it could be a huge industry-wide brand that's generating a majority of the sales for that agency. You're assimilating your product to another brand that they know. Yeah, we're not doing that though. It's that agent, correct. that agency is doing yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to go out there and say, hey, Kesson is like, you know, Estwing or Kesson is like Jobbox or Kesson is like Ergodyne or Kesson is like Powers Fasteners. It could go on. And I would love to be able to say the that we're that great. Well, it doesn't have as much credibility for me to say it as it does for one of our agents saying it to a guy they've been selling stuff to for 20 years. I think it just speaks so much what you're saying, Jude, because if I can just be honest, I think a lot of times manufacturers look at it, look at their reps from a, what have you done for me lately perspective. And you have to, I mean, there's a, you have to do that. I mean, there needs to be that type of, you know, you got to have a quota and we need to make sure that you're bringing sales in, but you also are recognizing that they're taking on a burden also by recommending your products, they're putting their reputation as a sales rep on the line with these customers that they've had for probably years. It also tells me that you're taking on incredibly high quality sales reps. We know that not all sales reps are created equal. <laughs> sure. And that, I mean, that's for employees of any kind. Absolutely. Uh, or individuals of any kind. That mutual beneficiary I... relationship is not something that we typically hear manufacturers talk about. Am I, I don't want to no, I think it's over. Yeah. Well, I, I just think it's perspective is what it's I'm hearing. Great yeah, perspective. It's perspective, Jude. Out of curiosity, Jude, what's the average length that a firm has been with Kesson? 12 years. 12 years. Yeah. We just, our, our longest agency just dissolved, and that was a 40 year relationship that wow. they had with our company. Wow. We've only been in business for 50 years. Wow. Only. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> our rep turnover is very, very low. Uh, and we strive to keep it very, very low because the cost of change, whether it's an employee or an agency, is huge. It takes time and money to get people up to speed, to get them to become believers in what your product is. And I mean, I could tell you all day long that our service is great, that our product is great, that our availability is great. And as an agency, You've heard those exact same things from every single manufacturer that has ever tried to get you to become their agent. And until they experience great quality, great availability, great service from your company, they're not 100% on board. I mean, they might talk the talk about it, but the difference between somebody saying those things and somebody believing those things and then saying it is a huge difference. Absolutely. I imagine there's also some things that they share with you, Jude. That you're saying, okay, I'll believe it when I see it, you know, in terms of what they think they can do from a sales standpoint. Of course. When you're interviewing someone too, like talk me through some of the things that you do to reinforce that you can actually deliver what you're talking about and some of the things that you look for when you're vetting a a potential agency as well. So I have a welcome to Kesson presentation that I do with our agents. So I, I built this when we brought a new agency on in Western Canada. I realized that we didn't have a checklist and we didn't have a, an agency welcoming like onboarding process. So we built that. And there's two slides in that presentation. And, and one of the slides is what can you expect from Kesson? And the next slide is what Kesson expects from you. And there's probably four or five bullet points on that slide. And they're exactly the same on both sides. 
Hmm. Which I think is a powerful statement when you give that presentation and you can say, hey, agents, this is what you're going to be able to expect from Kesson. You know, we're trying hard, right? We're giving you our honest best. We'll get back to you within 24 hours. We are going to make mistakes, but we're not going to hang you out to dry when we make those mistakes. We know that you're going to make mistakes and we're not going to hang you out to dry when you make those mistakes. We'll back you up. And by telling people that and showing people that, you know, the things that we're asking for from you are the same things that we're promising to provide you makes that very, it's probably not the first meeting because they've already agreed to come on board, Mm -hmm. but it, it sets a very good tone. I think I'm not asking from you things I'm not willing to provide, right? It's an it's a equal playing field. So, dude, I want to go back and talk a little bit about your communication structure with your sales mm-hmm. reps. You gave a couple of really great examples of different ways to stay in contact with them. Can you talk us through what your frequency and structure of communication Sure. Happy to do that. Yeah. So there's a couple of things you should know <laughs> that... This is not the Jude Nosek system, right? I didn't invent this thing. It I'm giving is giving you credit. It's all yours. Well, <laughs> so what so what happens is I you know, I typically will try something and then I get a ton of feedback and then I have to change that thing, right? And as soon as that happens, it's no longer a creation of my own. It, it becomes something that our national sales managers have had input on, our customer service team has input on. Our operations team at times will have influence on it. Our reps in themselves will have huge amount of influence on that. I came from a company that had 500 inside salespeople and 150 outside salespeople. And I worked for this company for 12 years in the marketing department. And my job was basically building sales tools for inside people and outside people. So I was in a very unique position when I came to Kesson. I actually knew how to do some things already, but I wanted to know how the Kesson wanted to get that information out and how our reps want to receive that information. So I'll give you a quick example. We have quarterly calls with our reps that we update them on how we're performing against our goals. Okay. First order of business was make the call valuable and short. So it's under 45 minutes. You know, we have 60 people all around the country, four different time zones, two different countries. In one case, there's a different language, Quebec in French. And we're asking them to to come to this 45-minute meeting three times a year. Well, it's not always going to work out for everybody to be able to get on to all those meetings. And one of our agencies suggested, well, you know what? Why don't we do the meeting on Friday instead of Monday? And I think it was our VP of sales, Jeff Capstrand, said, why don't we do it both? Well, it's a little more work for for us at Kesson. So we tried that. We split it into two. Actually, we didn't split it. We We did one on Monday, one on Friday, exactly the same meeting. We also added a Wednesday. So basically, the week of the update call, there's three meetings. They're all three of them are identical. The Friday meeting is usually the best one because we've corrected anything that was happened on Monday or happened on Wednesday. It's my third time giving the presentation or who has ever given the presentations had a little practice with it. And we record all of them and then we send that out so they don't have to memorize what was on it. They've got a reference to it. But that's, that's one example of how to make it easier for an agency 
or your agents around the country, sure, it's more, it absolutely takes me three times as long. And do I like having that take three times as long? I don't. But it takes away the excuses of any agent that couldn't make the Monday meeting. Sure. So if I get, you know, 30 on Monday, 10 on Wednesday, and 25 on Friday, that's I that's great. It's that's much better than just having the 40 on Monday. Exactly. So that's one example. And we do that, like we do that with our national meeting. Like we have an offsite meeting and we do two meetings. It's back to back. And we do one at eight o'clock to nine thirty. We do one at ten o'clock to eleven thirty. So, you know, we we've done that that meeting in front of five people in the first meeting and fifty-five people in the second meeting. It's just one way to just say, you know what, reduce the risk of them not getting the information, reduce the risk of them not being able to say, well, I had no idea or I couldn't make it. Well, yeah, we think you can. <laughs> We'd really love to see you there. And to do that, we're going to give you many options so that you can come and do this with us because it's important to us. Yeah. Yeah. We talk a lot about friction and you say risk. Like I, I kind of view those, two, those things as synonymous. Like how can you make the friction of working with Kesson that much easier? You yeah. Know? Well, that's the service. That's the service level right there. You know, knowing that they can call in and get a person, knowing that there is a myriad of people that can answer their questions, right? Having a good customer service team that picks up the phone is one of the easiest ways to get high marks with your agencies. They want to know that they can call. It doesn't matter who they call, whether it's me, our VP of sales, their national sales manager, our head of customer service, or pretty much anybody in customer service. They're going to get the same answer. And they're going to get it right when they need it. And that's huge. That's the service for the rep, right? They don't have to then have another follow-up call and another follow-up call. It's best if you can not make the mistakes in the first place by providing high-quality products and providing it uh, when you say you're going to provide it so you don't get those follow-up calls and have those prices differ or something like that. Correct the pricing before you put the order in. That way you don't have to go back and how come now accounting gets involved and credits are involved and the rep has to maybe sometimes handle those kind of relationship issues. That's not what a rep wants to be doing. That's not what the marketing guys and the national sales managers want to be doing. I don't really even think that's what the accountants want to be doing. They'd rather be moving things forward rather than correcting things from the past. So yeah, true. Jude, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. If you were going to sum up for us you know, if you're a manufacturer listening to this podcast, what advice would you give that individual to really scale and fine tune their relationship and frankly, the results that they're getting from their reps? From somebody's perspective who's built this, you've done this, what advice would you give them? I think, and I, I do this in, and I try to do this in most aspects of my life is to have an attitude of gratitude for, for the agencies, right? You know, instead of seeing it as a, cost and only as a cost, try to look at it as, okay, it's a cost. It's an investment that we're spending. What can I get out of it? And there's tons of things you can get out of it. You just ask a rep, who's doing it better than we are? And they'll tell you who's doing it better than you are. Wow. And, and, and then you can take that information and do with it as you will. If you want to make a better rep experience, then you can maybe change yourself a little bit. Or if you recognize you can't do that thing that they're asking for, you at least have the opportunity to explain why you can't do that quite the way maybe, you know, company X is doing. So, you know, having that, uh, that level of, of gratitude and that recognition that that's an investment that you're making, 
you can ask them those questions. And you, because of that investment that you're making, they should be responding to you when you're asking for, you know, business building questions. How do I make myself better? What are we doing wrong? Um, and listen to those things. So that, that would be it. Be grateful and ask good questions or just ask any question, but be ready to listen and implement what, what somebody tells you. Great. That's awesome. Yeah. Ajit, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate your time. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to get in contact? Jude.nosek. So that's first name, like the Beatles song, Hey Jude. Uh, last name is the nose on your face with a K at the end. So jude.nosek at kesson.com. Awesome. Well, if you want more great content like this, go to venvio.com slash podcast. Until next time, I'm Zach Williams alongside Beth Popnikolov. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Smarter Building Materials Marketing with Zach Williams and Beth Popnikoloff. To get the resources mentioned in this podcast, visit venvio.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening.